You are Locked On Cardinals, your daily Arizona Cardinals podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. It's Locked On Cardinals, part of your Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Bo Brock, Alex Clancy on a Friday edition of the podcast, and it's jam-packed. As it's been all week long, just excitement, just surrounding this organization. You had J.J. Watt. You had the deal go down on Monday. That seems like forever ago. You had the press conference a couple days later. Then Steve Kime spoke. And then yesterday, Cliff Kingsbury pulls the shoot on the excitement. We'll get into that. We'll get into all the comments made by the Arizona Cardinals head coach. We'll also get into our guy. Our co-host, my co-host, Alex Clancy being Nostradamus as far as the big moves made by the Cardinals months before. What's the next one in the chamber for Clancy? We'll get into that. But uh, also, what what were we going to get into? The Kingsbury presser. We're going to get into this potential big move by the Arizona Cardinals. There's a new overtime rule that I want to talk oh, about. God. A new proposal that I want to talk about. The new overtime rule proposed by Alex's second favorite team, the Baltimore uh. Ravens. Got it. If they only had a quarterback. If they only had somebody that could throw a spiral, we'll get into the conversation, <laughs> the debate, whether or not we like their new overtime proposal. Make sure you're following along on Twitter at LockedOnAZCards. That's where we're streaming live. And we do it every weekday from about, it's around 10, 15 AZ time. We start this thing up 10, 15, 10, 20, 10, 30. And we're going until about 11. Having some fun with it. Of course, you can find us. Wherever you find your podcasts, online, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, we're everywhere. Anywhere you can find podcasts, you'll find us. Leave a, you know, follow us, leave a rating, leave a review. We appreciate it. But let's get into the conversation about Cliff Kingsbury's press conference. Now, there are a couple takeaways. One, what we we tweeted out from Lockdown AZ Cards, it was Cliff Kingsbury talking about Chase Edmonds as a potential lead back, bell cow, as he phrased it, and also uh, you know some of the other takeaways from Cliff Kingsbury's press conference because it's been a press conference-filled week. I mentioned J.J. Watt, and I think he checked all the boxes. It was as far as must-watch, as far as press conferences go, I thought it was must-watch. Steve Keim, a little bit... Uh, not not as much watch. It wasn't must-see, but there were some takeaways from there. And then you tune into the Cliff Kingsbury press conference, and you're just like, the, you, that's when you were committed to binge-watching a series, and it had lost its luster at that point. You're like, oh, I just need to watch this to finish this. Just get it over with, because it, it didn't have any. It was boring. I didn't, I didn't, I wasn't excited. It almost took away from the excitement that was created earlier this week, Alex. Yeah, it's funny. Um, one show like that that I was watching just to watch that I've since stopped is The Walking Dead, and that's exactly what I felt when watching <laughs> Kingsbury's press conference. So that's exactly right. That's spot on. Uh, the two things that I took away from from Cliff Kingsbury's press conference were, one, the Chase Edmonds thing is a little bit lesser than. He's 0 for 2 when giving that vote of confidence, one of which was to Josh Rosen, where he said Josh is our guy, and then he was no longer their guy soon thereafter. And then he said the same thing about Zane Gonzalez, Right at the start of the new year, uh, January fourth, I believe, I just looked at my um, at my post Twitter, and he was then replaced by uh, practice squad player Mike Nugent. So, if if you're gonna read the tea leaves there, 
and the patterns that Chase Edmonds will not be the bell cow back for the Arizona Cardinals, and rightfully so. The other thing that I took away from this, and I tweeted it out at Clancy's Corner, was, and it was jarring to me. Um, I saw the quote first, and then I heard the clip where he said, J.J. Watt is not a guy that you want to let down. And that's something that players say about coaches, and coaches do not say about players. Because when it comes down to it, it's always the coach that lets everybody down because they're in charge of the performance by the players on the field. So when he's like, oh, I'm not worthy, he just, you know, Wayne and Garth, J.J. Watt, wearing 99 for the Arizona Cardinals, when in fact, that is the antithesis of what any leader would ever do. And that sounds like an absolute statement, but if you watch that dude, he has no idea what to do with J.J. Watt. He has no concept. He played, first of all, he doesn't know anything about the defensive room to begin with, let alone a Hall of Famer who, who mirrors Larry Fitzgerald coming over from Houston. So those are the two for me. The, that quote blew my mind that he pretty much was laying down his king before the, the Queen's Gambit even started. Yeah, it's, it's definitely problematic. When you look at this organization and who is perceived or who is the leader, um, you know, it was the quote from Michael Bidwell, like we're following Steve Kime's leadership. Your general manager can't be your leader. You can have leaders on the playing field, but they should also be looking up and seeking leadership from their head coach. Like the head coach is the guy. He's the CEO. He's the guy that people within the organization need to look to for guidance. And you don't he's get the, the expert. Yeah, he's like, the expert if you're, on everything. If you're listening to a podcast, the host is the expert. Cliff right. Kingsbury has to be the expert, and he just isn't or doesn't want to be. Yeah, he. The, one of the takeaways from yesterday's press conference is he, he doesn't he doesn't seem to he seems like he's beaten down. And I would get it. I hope hopefully he's not reading any of the replies or any of the comments on the chat during the press conferences because I was watching it on YouTube and every other comment was fire Cliff. Every other comment. Um, and, and somebody, I think it was somebody who covers college football and, and maybe even the Big 12 specifically that had told us or me that Cliff Kingsbury has been different for a long time. And it, st- it started right around his final year at Texas Tech. Like he changed the way he holds himself, the way that he conducts himself around his players and his press conferences. He used to be a lot looser and now he's just this button up, just. It was just not, there was nothing exciting during a very exciting time. And it was, you just didn't get that sense from a a head coach that was pumped up about where this organization is going. And listen, um, I want to root for Cliff. Like, this isn't something you never want your head coach to be lesser than. And and the jury is still, for a lot of people that reach out to us on Twitter that did disagree about, and Bo and I even differ in some capacity regarding what the status of Cliff Kingsbury should be within the organization, the Arizona Cardinals. He would be a great face of the organization. Are you kidding me? Fruit baskets during, during OTAs, cell phones, whenever you want. If it worked, it would revolutionize the coaching position. It would really push guys like Bill Belichick a little bit further out of what people want. But he, I mean, it's there for the taking You have one of the most exciting quarterbacks in the NFL. You have one of the best wide receivers in the NFL. Now you're probably going to have on paper, at least depending on what they do in free agency, a top 10 defense in the NFL. Have fun with it, man. Why the hell are you an NFL coach if you're not going to smile? You want to see him wearing a skinny suit from H&M walking out, you know, after a game, after a huge win, 
and being, you know, the model abs guy that he is, and he just refuses to take the reins. He, it's all there for him if he wanted it. So, you know, it's it just, it's frustrating. It's just frustrating to see, and it's frustrating that it is a lesser than situation instead of him just grabbing it by the kajingas and saying, I'm the head coach of an NFL franchise. I want to, this to work, and I want to be the leader, and he just refuses to do it. Yeah, one of the reasons you go with a younger head coach is to infuse in energy into an organization, and I, yeah. I just don't get that from Cliff Kingsbury. If you're going to be the quiet, you know, uh, genius, like you're not getting that either. You're not getting that like groundbreaking, profound, uh, you know, like uh, just game planning that you get from a guy like he, he. He can't. He's not Bill Belichick, you know. So you've got to be more of a raw, raw guy. And that's why that's the difference between him and also I'm sure there's a big drop off as far as what he's doing schematically than Sean McVay. And as far as leading guys, like there's no question in LA who the leader of that team is. It's Sean McVay. Does he do a very good job as far as delegating? Absolutely. But at the end of the day, when it comes down to it, as far as the final decision being made, everybody knows who that guy is. It's Sean McVay. So yeah, I just thought and and it was just it encapsulated a little bit. It wasn't like uh, it wasn't a just like a the the main reason people are skeptical about it. But it, I I was not impressed by the press conference. But look, you don't have to be when it's March fourth. But at the same time, you know you see the Cardinals have a tremendous opportunity as far as having Kyler Murray on his rookie scale contract. The players that they're surrounding him by are with, and they're what they could potentially do. You know, what are we looking at, you know, as as the number one, the number one thing that stands in their way? What is it? And I think we can all, we, we're all agreeing on it. Do I need to say just, it? You know what I mean. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah, but Bo, finish your statement. Cliff Kingsbury. Yes. Yes. Thank you. I just I, need to hear you say I, yes. I mean, read between the lines. <laughs> That's oh, geez, this is a family program, Bo. I'm just saying. I mean, I couldn't have, I couldn't have spelled it out anymore. But yeah, but I, but I want that exclamation at the end from you. Yeah. I mean, I can't be the, the the only exclaimer on this podcast. Listen, he has shown, and we're going full positive cliff here, which is nice. This little spin here, it's there for him. Okay, what we've seen from him is a trailer for a great movie, but the movie is crap. It's like the Medellin trailer in Entourage. That's two Entourage uh, uh, references in two days. It's fantastic. It's the Medellin trailer. And he needs to turn those flash plays into a full story that will, that will captivate people. And with captivation in this league, will inherently yield fear, which is what you want from any what's supposed to be high-powered offense. From what we've heard and from what we've seen in glimpses, he can be a play caller in the NFL. He just chooses to get in his own way. And I think some of it has to do with the lack of offensive line play, the the inability for the interior offensive line, the tail end of the season to really keep Kyler Murray nestled in, hibernated behind the line of scrimmage, which you know will blow up any sort of game plan. But we've got to see growth from him in that respect specifically. I would love to see the leadership. But it's really about him being an offensive coordinator that happens to be a head coach. And if he can call plays effectively and the Cardinals can put up points, that would be a huge step in the right direction for him retaining his job. Otherwise, as you mentioned, that's the reason. That's the wall. It's the Cliff Kingsbury wall that's keeping them from from moving forward. 
Did Cliff Kingsbury in his press conference give another kiss of death? We've seen it twice already. Did he give a third one plus another superstar player that Alex could have potentially predicted coming to the Arizona Cardinals soon? And then we'll get into this Ravens overtime rule that I think is pretty preposterous. We'll get into it. It's all coming up. It's locked on Cardinals. But first, we got to tell you about Bet Online, the fastest, easiest way to bet on all your sports action. The NFL might be in the rearview mirror, but of course you've got FCS football in full swing, NBA, college basketball, the NHL. BetOnline even covers awards, TV shows, and reality TV, real-time updated odds, props, on almost anything you can imagine. BetOnline has you covered for all the news, scores, odds, and the best place to place your bets. We trust them. It's free to sign up. Not only is it free to sign up, but you also get, by using the promo code Locked On. A 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. That means if you put in 50 bucks, you'll get $25 for free to play around with, place your bets on with money that's not even yours. And you could start to create that stack. Just head over to the website, betonline.ag. Use your mobile device if you'd like, and you'll receive that 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit using the promo code locked on. One word it's betonline.ag, your online sportsbook experts. Locked on Cardinals, part of your Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. We've got uh, next week, we're already starting to fill up a couple fun guests. We had Cam Cox yesterday. He was fantastic. I loved, uh, I just loved Cam's take. I thought it was uh, pretty in line with where we've been this offseason. Alex, uh, hopefully uh, looking forward to talking to Cam soon. Josh Weinfuss, we'll talk to him soon again. And some other great Cardinals reporters and talkers coming on this very podcast. Yeah, it's good to keep it in the family around around Phoenix because it is the media. The media family is even though you know Maricopa County is the third greatest in area in the United States. Like the media family is pretty tight knit here in Phoenix, and we've had we're gonna have Jess Root on in the next couple of weeks. We had the guys from Revenge of the Birds on. It's nice to get you know some people on that have differing takes on the same topic. Or and like yeah, it, Cam and I told him after like thank you for being so candid with us. Yeah, you know, like he's a he's an anchor, so it's hard sometimes to be able to give. But he's always there every press conference, and he had the same thoughts that we did about Steve Kimes' uh, press conference. And I'm just ready for football to start, man. Like yeah. I know that we have. I don't know what I'm more excited about. To be completely honest, personally, uh, daylight savings changing again on the 14th. So we got nine days where I don't have to watch Suns game at 8:30 at night on a weekday, or uh, legal tampering starting the day after on the 15th, because legal tampering when that begins. This is the real plight for the for the Cardinals. It's going to be an uphill battle trying to get guys to come play here with how crazy it is with the salary cap, the one-year deals. Are they going to have to overpay if they want to bring a guy in? You know, it's the beginning is starting very soon where it's the trust Steve Kime season again, and I'm just wary of it, even though they already signed J.J. Watt. It, it was interesting to hear, and this was something we didn't cover as far as Steve Kime's press conference, is he had talked about signing guys even before that, like guys that have been released. And the Cardinals, they're, they're no stranger to that. They've done that the last couple off-seasons. It is kind of fascinating to think that this team could add to their roster even before legal tampering opens up on March 15th. That's guys that have been released, much like J.J. Watt. It's not guys who are impending free agents or also keeping guys in the building. We'll see what happens between now and then. Still waiting to see. Is it next week? Is, the, is it the 9th with the tag deadline? I believe it is. March 9th yeah. is the tag deadline. So we'll see if guys like Kenny Galladay... You know, uh, Allen Robinson, some of those intriguing wide receivers, if they're going to make it to the open market or if they're going to be tagged by their uh, respective teams. So that's something to follow over the next couple of days. Alex and I will keep you 
up today as far as that's concerned. But one more takeaway from Cliff Kingsbury's press conference. I thought he was kind of strong-armed into his answer about Chase Edmonds. Um, but also, when you look at Cliff Kingsbury's history, it's been a little bit of a kiss of death when he gives guys a boost of confidence. Somebody had asked him about Chase Edmonds, and we talked on the Fantasy Vipers, Dynasty Vipers podcast last week about Chase Edmonds. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, outsiders are always kind of like, why Why hasn't Chase Edmonds really been given an opportunity to be a lead back? And we know that he plays the part-time role a lot better. Um, that's just who he is at the NFL level. We feel like that's where he is. Uh, some people think he can emerge as an Austin Eckler type and kind of take that leap from part-time player, third down back to uh, starting running back. Cliff Kingsbury was asked, like, do you believe that Chase Edmonds could be a starting running back? And he's this guy. He's, he's under contract, and he's going to say, of course, yeah, we, we've envisioned Chase Edmonds as a bell cow type back, and we believe that uh, we have full confidence in him if he was given that opportunity. But it, it, that was just him saying nice things about his player. I don't think that that's – I hope that's not the Cardinals, you know – I hope that's not the route they go at the running back position if they let Kenyon Drake walk via free agency. Right. And the comp to Austin Eckler is unfair. Even though I just looked it up, Chase Edmonds weighs more than Austin Eckler, which blows my mind. I don't know if, how that how that's possible. But um, Austin Eckler was born into the greatest check down screen passer we've ever seen, at least in recent history, in Phillip Rivers in that offense. On top of that, they had Melvin Gordon, who was the guy. Melvin yeah. Gordon scored over 10 touchdowns pretty much every year when he's healthy, and it's easy as the change of pace guy for Austin Eckler when the first guy's doing his job. And Kenyon Drake this year, he didn't he didn't cause the defense to remain honest with, uh, with Chase Edmonds on the field. Now listen, Chase has got great burst. He's got great hands. He's a great route runner. But you need a guy. You need a metronome for a running back if you want to add the other stuff into it. And the Cardinals, Chase Edmonds can't be both. And he doesn't need to be both. It's not a bad thing. He's 5'8", 209, man. Like, he's not he's not a bruiser. He doesn't have to be, but that doesn't mean that he can't be an integral part of this offense because this is a big year for him. If he wants to get paid, this is a big year for him. And I think that if they can run the offense, will you run more screen passes, run more short routes for him, and get him in open space, that's where he thrives. It's not necessarily getting the ball handed to him in the backfield. What would your thoughts be on Chase Edmonds being just the vocal point of the run game? Not necessarily being, you know, your lead back, not being your goal line guy, not even being really primarily your first and second down guy. You brought in a guy, if you brought in somebody that was, or even a rookie, if you draft a guy, but Chase Edmonds is the guy that's out there on the field more often than than whoever this opposite guy is. Give him Andy Isabella's route tree. <laughs> Who cares? Like, seriously, you know that Chase Edmonds can move down the field and catch the ball. So you can put him in the slot. I He's got to be on the field. I agree with you. I agree with you. I definitely do because they're going to have to tweak how many wide receiver, how many, how many uh, eleven formations, how many twelve formations they're going to run. If you want to have Chase Edmonds on the field as much as possible, do it. If you wanted to be the focal point and he's not necessarily getting the ball handed to him from Kyler Murray and he's still that way, sure, he knows the offense better than any running back that they're going to bring in, obviously. And he's got great hands. You need to have safety valves, especially with Kyler Murray, because if he gets crunched again on that, you never know what's going to happen. Yeah, you got to get the Tom Brady fast sometimes. And I just think that Chase Edmonds is in. I'm not comparing him straight like head towards these players, but obviously there's the the Eckler, right? Just because it's probably the most recent where we've seen a third guy, third down guy, pass catching back emerge as the perceived starting running back. 
Uh, but he also had Josh Kelly. That was the, what the Chargers' plan was going into last season. Uh, but also think like Reggie Bush, right? When he was with the Saints, he never got like that full lead back opportunity. It was always kind of a collection of guys. It was a running back by committee, and Reggie Bush was supposed to do the thing like what what we see Chase Edmonds do: catch passes, be a third down guy, be elusive. And be also fresh and being able to use that incredible playmaking ability in open spaces. Look, Chase Edmonds is going to continue to be a, a big part of this offense, whether or not he's your starting running back, whether or not he's your third down back. He's still going to have a role here. I just think that uh, I don't think that the Cardinals will ever be like, okay, he's going to be and even get the opportunity Eckler got before his injury last year. It is locked on Cardinals. There are a couple uh, fascinating things to kind of debate here. The Ravens overtime. Uh, proposal to the NFL. It's, oh, yeah. it's pretty wild. And then uh, we'll get into the conversation about Alex Clancy being Nostradamus and his ability to predict wild, off-the-wall things coming to fruition for the Arizona Cardinals. It's what we're going to talk about before we get out of here. Send you in the weekend here on Locked On Cardinals, part of your Locked On podcast network. One thing that's uh, for sure, we talk about the Cardinals all the time and we feel like we're pretty insightful as far as that goes. The opposite end of the spectrum is cars. We know nothing about cars. As much as we know, or we feel like we know about the Arizona Cardinals, we know nothing about cars. That's where rockauto.com comes in and helps us out, makes us feel more confident when we're trying to get work done on our vehicles. It's a family business serving auto parts customers online for 20 years. Go to rockauto.com to shop for auto and body parts from hundreds of manufacturers. They've been around since you had your 125 free hours on AOL. They have everything from engine control modules, brake parts to tail lamps, motor oil, even a new carpet. Whether it's your classic or daily driver, get everything you need in a few easy clicks delivered directly to your door so you can take it to a mechanic you trust or you can install it yourself. Go to rockauto.com right now. See all the parts available for your car or truck right locked on and how did you hear about us because we need you to know or need them to know that we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need, rockauto.com. It was Jeremy Clough yesterday. He was repackaging the story and uh, kind of the, the the pipe dream that Alex Clancy had. We, we, had a, we did a segment on this podcast where we said, okay, let's take out like anything, any logic, and let's just – Let's go with a DeAndre hype, DeAndre Hopkins type deal that nobody saw coming of a p- player we would have never imagined being available um, for the Arizona Cardinals to acquire this offseason. Alex said OBJ. He said Odell Beckham Jr. Jeremy Clough repackaged the story. It was, I think he's on uh, Showtime's, uh, what's the NFL show? For Showtime, it's like uh, it used to be on HBO. It was uh, inside, the inside the NFL, and Brandon Marshall is a the former Broncos, Jets, Dolphins wide receiver, Bears wide receiver. He is uh, he's one of the the analysts, and he said that he was pretty confident in saying, "Oh, he's he's Odell Beckham Jr. is going to the Cardinals." Yeah, uh, the quote pretty much was, "He's working out in Arizona. He's going to the Cardinals." And it was like, "Whoa, what the hell are you talking about?" Um, Here's the thing. The reason why I brought up OBJ initially was because I was looking at his contract. I'm like, this would be nice, but, you know, and the reason why, he's not the old OBJ anymore. Okay, He's not in New York City. He's in Cleveland, a boring town. You can get a lot more trouble. Colin Coward, one of Colin Coward's greatest greatest things is you, people can get in trouble anywhere when they want to. 
regardless of where they are. And Odo Beckham has been a consummate pro since he's gone to Cleveland. He hasn't bitched about his target share, which is which has dropped precipitously since he was in New York because they're a run-first offense twice before him with Kareem Hunt and Nick Chubb towards ACL. He's been a great teammate. Aside from him giving away thousands of dollars after LSU won the national championship game, he's been a model citizen. Great teammate, everything. I looked at the contract. After 2021, there's no dead cap money associated right. with his contract. So if the Cardinals want to trade what would be a third-round pick this year, maybe a second next year, something like that, you could get him for one year for 14-plus mil, which is a lot, but you figure it out if you want to extend it. Like, the contract is is a myth. Uh, um, Aaron Freeman, who does Locked on Falcons, he he always tweets out the salary cap isn't real. <laughs> it's not real because you can figure out any way to maneuver around any 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 which thing. JJ Watt's cap it is only going to be four point six million dollars this year because they added three dummy years to the end of the contract. Right, you can do whatever you want. Like so Big pretty Ben's much extension or his restructuring yesterday was like he's got a bunch of years on the end that are just going to go away and not count towards their their cap. Like the, they're voidable years. Yeah. They, it, it only counts towards the cap when that the rest of that contract is voided, which will be twenty twenty three. So. With Odo Beckham, you could legitimately cut Justin Pugh, cut Robert Alford, and acquire Odo Beckham Jr. And for one year, for a one-year tryout, I think it'd be a no-brainer for the car. And I never thought that I would say this, but he's a proven commodity. He catches almost everything. He does have injury concerns. But, man, how much fun would it be if you lined up Odell Beckham and uh, DeAndre Hopkins on the same side of the field? What the hell does the defense do? Yeah, I mean, I, I thought the same thing, but, uh, you know, Cleveland had that with Jarvis Landry at that point. I mean, it it they ended up evolving into a run-first offense, which was the best, but it also came down to, to Baker Mayfield's inability to take care of the football and him throwing the ball 30, 35 times a day was not good for their offense. Right. I, you know, I, I do. I, it, it is exciting to think about. Um, the It is, as far as not having to lock in, Long term to a guy like OBJ, uh, I think he's he's very kind of bipolar as far as his want and his will to to go in and, and be a team player and be engaging with his teammates and and have the right be in the right headspace to be successful. But also, one thing I'll say is everybody really works out in Arizona. Every like you could find right. you could find hundred players that are working out in Arizona because. It's cold around the rest of the country, and it's a perfect place to get in shape and be motivated every day to right. go to the gym. Fisher Institute here is huge. Yeah, Fisher Institute is gigantic. Here. Right. So I would just say, if 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 the price is right, if you if you're not spending too much draft capital, and I think second round is even too high at this point for Odell Beckham Jr. Mm-hmm. And do the Browns feel like that's enough compensation? Do they do they feel like they're going to get a player? For Odell Beckham in the draft, that's going to help their team out where they're closer closer than the Cardinals are already are. You know, I I don't know if if that's the a deal they make. Well, Cleveland didn't need him last year. Yeah, I you know, know but- Donovan Peoples Jones did a great job, and Rashad Higgins did a great job, and the, the tight ends that they had. Like, it's not about that offense is going to be so run centric and defensively schemed that he's expendable. If you can get a third round pick for him with Cleveland and get off the books, I'm curious because they have a good amount of cap space already. Mm-hmm. Um, I just don't know. I don't understand it from a Cleveland standpoint, but I guess I don't have to. I'm looking at it from a Cardinals. I guess if if they can if they can make it work, if it's a third round pick or 
or later, absolutely do it. That's going to be a key piece to this offseason. I mean, that's one of the next priorities is finding that that playmaker opposite DeAndre Hopkins, and he absolutely fit the bill even if he's coming off an ACL injury. Yeah, for sure. I mean, and really one – this is probably Cliff Kingsbury's last year if they don't excel. And wouldn't you like to know exactly how well this offense could be run with the right personnel? Like, wouldn't you like to know if this is running with the NOS on Fast and Furious style? You want to see how high-powered this offense can be. OBJ would help. It's not going to be a rookie. It's going to be a guy that's been in the league a handful of years who is we've seen incredible flashes from when he's at his peak. I want to see how much juice this offense really has. And you have to have the right personnel to do it. And if it doesn't work, you can not only say goodbye to Cliff, you can say goodbye to OBJ and have him be on his way. All right, real quick, let's get into the Ravens' overtime proposal. Okay, I'm going to explain this very, very as succinctly as I can. Teams go to overtime. This is a, a sudden death format. Okay, so first score wins. There's a coin toss. Whoever wins the coin toss gets to choose exactly where on the field the opening possession starts. So say, you know, you put it at the, whatever, 10-yard line. Then the opposing team gets to choose whether they want to be on offense or defense to start overtime. Now, this isn't like overtime now where one team wins the the toss, they want to receive, and the other team chooses what side of the field they want to defend. Whenever the team puts the ball at whatever yard line, say it's the 10-yard line, regardless of what happens, you're going the long way on the, of the field. So it's not like, yeah, I'm going to put it at the 10-yard line. The other team chooses offense. They only have to go 10 yards to score. You're going the opposite side of the field from wherever the ball is planted, and there's some, there's some strategy involved because say you're the Chiefs, you lose the toss, you can automatically go on offense regardless of where the ball is set, and if you kick a field goal, you win. If you're the Ravens, somebody like that, the Steelers, you choose defense, and you just have to stop. You have to stop the team. You get the ball back. You score. You win. So it's, it's the just, same it, rules as far as a touchdown wins the game and a field goal. The, the no, no, team. no. It's it's first points win. So put them on the on their uh, on their own one no, no. yard line. No, no. You're always going. You're. It's never a short field where the ball where the ball is starts. It's never a short field. So if you're at the 45 yard line, you're going 55 yards to score regardless. Regardless of who says offense or defense. We've got players in the NFL that don't even know that games can end in a tie. Like, this is way too complicated for... What an old school cut. <laughs> you Donovan McNabb from, what, 2011? Yeah. Nice. Didn't know... You just, you could... just got a Donovan McNabb because he didn't play very well for your Washington professional <laughs> football team. He did not. He, he did not play very did well. Not, not Andy, ideal. Andy Reid got him, sold him some damaged goods. Oh man, um, yeah. I just think it's it's too complicated. Like, you you've got your friends, you've got your your tacos of your around your in your life. That how do you even explain that overtime to them when they're watching the game with you? It's not hard. One team picks where the ball starts. One team picks offense or defense. And it's not it's not a flip the field then, thing. Okay, it, and then first score wins. First score wins. So. The, the thing is, so say a team that trusts their defense will put the ball at the one-yard line, and then, you know, whatever the case may be, you're always going the long way. It's never a short field to score. Like, it's, I think it's genius, because, but when it, like, seriously, we've got to get away from, and either that, 
or have both teams get a possession regardless of if a touchdown is scored on the first possession or not. Like, seriously, we got to get away from this. The, the flip of the coin should only matter for who gets the ball first. It shouldn't be for who gets the ball, and that's it. The the Philly Bengals game this past season where it yeah. seemed like Doug Peterson and Zach Taylor were just content with taking a tie, that should never happen. So if if it takes if if that just removes and those that might just be those coaches specifically, but yeah, if it removes any chance of a tie, like we just shouldn't have ties. We shouldn't also have games uh, decided on who wins a coin flip. I agree with that. So I I don't know. I, much I, ra- I would much rather go college question. rules than that. I love college. No, overplay. college rules is well. First of all, you couldn't start at the twenty-five because that's guaranteeing a field goal every time. True. You know, instead of, you know, Stevie Butler, who has to go to French on Monday and, and, he, and he's peeing his lowness because he doesn't want to kick a field goal. It's completely different. Um, but, yeah, no, I agree. Like, overtime, just just have it be untimed. Like, yeah. seriously. Like, oh, yeah. You, like, but the tie thing, like, what, what Doug Peterson did, because it was fourth and 13 or something with 40 seconds or what, 20 seconds left. They were rounded field. He decided to punt. That tie almost won them the division. Right. So, I mean, in theory, it was dumb at the time, and Carson Wentz was flipping his mind, but, I mean, and Doug Peterson is no longer the coach. But, yeah, I listen, they, they have to do something. They have to do something. And I think this is a good idea. Locked on Cardinals, part of your Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. We're gonna, uh, we are going to reveal a new segment on Monday. Alex and I are going to start to step up as far as which prospects we think the Arizona Cardinals should take at 16. We will uh, give you the details. It's less complicated than the Ravens' overtime proposal. We'll get into that. Uh, <laughs> you need a certain amount. You need a certain IQ, and you just don't. You're just not there yet. <laughs> Who knows? We might be breaking down another big addition to the Arizona Cardinals on Monday morning, like we did this past Monday. You never know what's going to come from this organization. Pumped up this week has just infused more and more excitement around it. Can't wait to talk more Cardinals offseason with you guys. Come. Monday. Enjoy the rest of your weekend, and we'll talk to you then. It's Locked on Cardinals.